In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, we're talking about a particular layer one blockchain that could explode as a result of the Ethereum merge. But that is not all. We've got news about a huge Algorand update, Coinbase's bold new lawsuit, a Cosmos upgrade, and a whole bunch more brought to you today by Masari and their mainnet crypto conference. That said, you know the drill. Grab yourself a coffee. I already drank half of mine. Make sure you are subscribed and stick around for the whole episode today. And beware of scammers. I will not reach out to you on social media, on chat apps, or in the YouTube comments. Now, my friends, much ado has been made about the Ethereum merge. You know it. I know it. We all know it. It's the biggest narrative in crypto right now, here and now in September 2022. And I've talked about it plenty on this particular show. However, there are other projects that are poised to be big winners and big losers in the wake of the merge. And the blockchain I wanna focus on today offers an underrated suite of technologies that you need to know about. This project deserves far more attention than it gets today, and that is Ergo. Ergo is an EUTXO-based blockchain, or an extended, unspent transaction output-based blockchain derived from the structure that the Bitcoin network uses to account on the base layer. And it has a ton of unique features that I think aren't recognized enough. And let me be very clear though, do not go buy this token just because I'm talking about the best case scenario. There's a lot of assumption and speculation here, and it can go either way. So you've been warned. Anyway, this lesser known layer one blockchain is also driven by the proof of work algorithm, not unlike that of Ethereum today, but one that is much more energy efficient and ASIC resistant. And when I say ASIC resistant, by the way, I mean that it is designed to reduce the dominance of specialized hardware called an ASIC or an application specific integrated circuit that's designed to dominate a specific algorithm. Now, this is good for mining competition, by the way, to eliminate ASICs, but you're probably thinking, okay, great. What does Ergo and its proof of work core have to do with the Ethereum merge? What does it have to do with it? Well, it lies in the fact that you have a massive 869 terahash per second worth of hash rate, a ton of compute resources mining on the Ethereum network today, while it still uses proof of work. Come September 15th, Ethereum will undergo the merge and change over to proof of stake. And that's gonna displace all of those miners from the network. They'll have to take their GPUs and all their mining hardware and find somewhere else to mine and hopefully to turn profit. And where might you ask, are these miners likely to look to flip on their GPUs? And that is right, you're probably guessing, Ergo. It's a really appealing option that's still left in the proof of work competition. And there are some competitors out there, which I'll talk about in a second. Speculators have already made this connection and they've made their predictions very clear because Ergo's token price has already nearly doubled over the last month. And that's been driven in many ways by speculation around this event. And that's no accident because since September 2nd, 2022, Ergo's hash rate has doubled from around 14 terahash per second to 29 terahash per second, and it continues to climb, showing that clear intent from Ethereum miners that they're looking for options. Remember, proof of work is a consensus mechanism that requires miners to run compute hardware that rapidly guesses hash values as an answer to a cryptographic puzzle. And the greater the hash rate, the more compute power that's going towards that hashing process and the more competition there is to compete for that block reward, which is the thing everyone wants. Given Ergo's 29 terahash per second rate today, imagine even an eighth of the total hash rate from Ethereum making its way to Ergo post-merge. That's an instant, several hundred percent growth in hash rate, which contributes directly to the economic growth and security of Ergo. 
Now, this alone is not enough to make a bull case for Ergo's native cryptocurrency, Ergo, to make its way up, but it is a major factor. And to be clear, Ergo is not the sole option. I mentioned competitors before. Ethereum miners can choose from others like Ethereum Classic, an obvious choice, as well as projects like Nervos, for example, that offer similar structure and profitability. The profitability of mining is derivative of the block subsidy that distributes coins as reward for finding proof of work. So miners who find that valid hash in the challenge and therefore the economic forces for mining should encourage price appreciation for the native coin to maintain profitability for miners to mine as competition grows and it becomes harder and more expensive to reach proof of work. Each and every one of these proof-of-work-enabled blockchains stand to gain from Ethereum's shift away from proof-of-work. And even if a large proportion of miners decide to shut down altogether and sell off all their mining rigs, the remaining miners' hash rate will be a welcome addition to the ranks for Ergo, Nervos, Ethereum Classic, and all the others in the same boat. With Ethereum Classic becoming ever more irrelevant and seemingly lacking a clear path forward in terms of development and use case fit, Ergo and its closest competitors stand to gain the most from this event, and they want to woo Ethereum miners looking for a profitable home to do that. Remember, this is a speculator's paradise right now, and you could lose your shirt making a big move on Ergo based on this speculation. So be smart with your risk management here if you do decide to action on this speculation. But I myself am pretty optimistic about Ergo irrespective of this whole thing related to hash rate it's a really cool project and let me know if you want a full deep dive on it on the channel leave me a comment tweet me at shoshi4 now if speculating is not your thing and you like to network with and learn from crypto's most influential folks i want to encourage you to check out the mainnet crypto conference that's running from september 21st to september 23rd in new york city hosted by the crypto research company masari who is the sponsor of today's show. The Mainnet Conference will bring 4,000 plus crypto builders and thought leaders together to dive deep on the industry's current state, current state of Web3, and to provide projections on the future of Web3. And it's gonna be packed full of informational sessions that you're gonna to want to see. If you want to attend Mainnet, you can get 300 bucks off your pass today by visiting www.mainnet.events and entering promo code Hashoshi at checkout. Again, that is Hashoshi at checkout. In other news, Coinbase and its often criticized CEO, Brian Armstrong, just made the seriously bold statement in support of the future of Web3. And it's one statement that shocked me when I read about it. It was reported this week that Coinbase would be putting funding behind a lawsuit against the US Treasury Department in the wake of its decision to sanction the open source protocol, the crypto mixing protocol that is, Tornado Cash, which made it illegal for any U.S. entity to interact with this open source protocol. The argument against the U.S. Treasury Department's action to make Tornado Cash an open source program or code, a sanctioned entity, is that the action is a violation of freedom of speech rights. The crux of this argument is that code is speech and is therefore protected by the First Amendment. And I agree with this sentiment personally. Tornado Cash is not operated by any single entity. It's an open source utility, and its code can be taken and deployed anywhere, anytime, without permission from any creator, owner, operator, etc. As such, it really cannot be sanctioned without eroding First Amendment rights. And let me be clear too, I fully support bringing bad actors who launder money or steal crypto and cover their tracks and are in all sorts of nefarious activities, but this is not the correct means to do it. There are side effects to this that people need to be aware of. If code is not protected by freedom of speech, then the age of open source development in particular 
is likely completely over. And that would be an unmitigated disaster for humanity, not just the United States. The world is built on open source. Do not forget that. Most of the things you use have roots in open source. And Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong echoed these sentiments in a statement about this move, stating, quote, We support the Treasury sanctioning bad actors and have worked closely with law enforcement to help bring many bad actors to justice, but the Treasury's actions in this case hurt many law-abiding citizens in addition to a few bad actors, and we believe exceeds their authority. End quote. In relation to Coinbase's support of this lawsuit against the Treasury, this statement tells all, really. Coinbase has long been one of the most cooperative and collaborative companies with regulators and lawmakers, and it's a public company with a vested interest in not rocking the boat. So the move to put money behind this lawsuit was very surprising to me, but one that I respect, even if it is in Coinbase's best interest to do so to protect the crypto industry, which they rely on for profit. People hate on Coinbase a lot, and deservedly so most of the time, but we should give credit where credit is due on this. This legal proceeding is not just to protect the Web3 space, but to protect the entire world of open source development in general. And it's a stand for freedom of speech for developers and the code that they write. And that's worth protecting, in my opinion. And what do you think? Let me know in the comments or tweet me at Ashoshi4. Now, all the hype around the Ethereum merge is at all time highs right now, but another layer one blockchain just underwent a pretty significant upgrade that I think needs to get some recognition as well. That blockchain is Algorand, the pure proof of stake blockchain focused on academic, formally verified protocol design, much like our friends at Cardano. They just released a long awaited Algorand state proofs upgrade to mainnet, which brings a slew of significant benefits. In effect, state proofs are a cryptographic means to attest to and verify data on a given blockchain in a much more lightweight and efficient manner. These efficient cryptographic proofs and Algorand state proofs enable much more efficient operations and verification of the blockchain, which gives plenty more headroom for scalability. As a result, Algorand's integration of state proofs brings its total transaction throughput estimates from around 1,200 transactions per second to around 6,000 transactions per second with adequate finality on an average of a four-second block time, give or take. This is pretty impressive, scalability-wise, and I think it's plenty to accommodate the majority of adoption that we have in crypto today and in the future. State proofs also enable light clients, effectively blockchain nodes that sync and verify the blockchain without requiring a full copy of the ledger to be downloaded. And using these state proofs instead of a full copy of the ledger enables mobile applications and other weaker hardware to support direct connectivity to the blockchain, which is very significant. Mobile apps could really use this. It solves for a major challenge in cross-chain interoperability as well for that same reason. You can cryptographically verify through the state of a different blockchain network in an interoperable structure, which unlocks layer one to layer one interoperability, but also layer two to layer one interoperability. And I'll do a deeper dive on Algorand state proofs here very shortly, diving into generally how they work and more details there, but keep your eyes on this one. It's a significant upgrade that you should definitely read up on. And speaking of significant things, the ever-growing institutional interest in crypto seems to be continuing its trend because the financial services giant Fidelity is reportedly launching a Bitcoin trading platform in November of 2022 that caters to retail investors, which is very interesting. This follows Fidelity's last big Bitcoin move to bring access to Bitcoin uh, for millions of investors in the form of BTC exposure in retirement account offerings, which was very controversial, by the way. And Fidelity has its own digital assets arm dedicated to research and product development in this burgeoning industry. 
And I would expect that this beast of an asset manager is nowhere near done bringing products related to crypto and digital assets to the market. One area that I feel that they'll be exploring is to offer sort of index type funds with baskets of cryptocurrencies in different niches, because this is a product that crosses into securities territory and will certainly require a big behemoth with big relationships like Fidelity to drive forward and get approval if it's going to get offered in retirement accounts and in retail channels. The bar is very high for retail channels. We shall see, but Fidelity seems to be keen on continuing to enter this space more and more, and many people think that is bullish. Now, a while back as well, I talked about a blockchain game called So Rare on the channel. It's a project that offers a fantastic fantasy football game like round ball European football where you use your feet, not American football. That game is the one single blockchain back game that I still play. And each player in these fantasy leagues are uh, gonna be using NFT cards with different rarities and attributes in the game. And that's what makes it even more fun to me. There's a secondary market involved. And just for transparency, because that kind of thing is really important to me ethically, I did get some free cards from So Rare like way back to try the game. Um, that's not why I'm making this segment, but I felt you should know either way, just from an ethics perspective. But I've been playing the game consistently this football season as European soccer has started to kick off. Yes, soccer, football, same thing. It's quite fun, and I feel that it has legs long term as a game with solid mechanics. It's tried and true. People understand fantasy and integrates NFTs in a way that's not in the way of the gameplay. And now SoRare has expanded into another predominantly US-based sporting league in NBA basketball, which will likely grow its reach even, even further and its user base as well after their foray into Major League Baseball in the US fairly recently as well. In a recent announcement, SoRare broke the news that it had partnered with the NBA for an upcoming official fantasy basketball game with blockchain-based NFT ownership behind the scenes. And I'm really stoked about this because I think so Rare makes a really solid product that I enjoy playing, and it just so happens that my second favorite sport behind European football is basketball. So I'll be playing when this lands. I've left a link to the sign up waiting list page for the NBA Final Fantasy, not Final Fantasy, NBA Official Fantasy game in case you're interested in jumping in. That link is in the description. Uh, Final Fantasy is also a great game. So. In other news, one of my favorite projects out there, Cosmos, just got a nice little upgrade itself that's also flying under the radar, and that's a newly constructed module for Cosmos blockchains called Groups. And these are contained within the Cosmos SDK that developers use to build Cosmos-compatible app-specific networks. And this Groups module within the Cosmos SDK is a complete overhaul for how Cosmos developers can implement and build with multi-signature wallet schemes. And multi-signature wallets, for those who don't know, are critical for development teams and users alike to secure critical operations like holding assets in custody, approving DAO fund disbursement, all sorts of things with M of N uh, constructs, right? You want to restrict the usage of wallets to having multiple signatures, right? And this groups module is designed to provide flexible set of tools for developers to implement multi-sig in the form of a framework for organizing users called members into groups and allowing arbitrary messages to service proposals that can be voted on by members in a group. And this ability to facilitate voting on cross-chain compatible messages means it can be used for all kinds of things from simple transactions to staking to deep custom workflows. And I know one team that's surely gonna be looking into this and I have no insider info, by the way, I'm speculating here, but the Kepler wallet team who make the best wallet for Cosmos are likely gonna be looking at this and how they can build really powerful wallet features 
around this awesome groups feature. So you should definitely read up on this one. It's gonna be a really significant upgrade in the fullness of time. Make sure you're watching for it. My friends, you know what time it is now? It's time for 404, and that is 404 Logic Not Found, a firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space. And if you wanna help this show get some attention, please hit the like button, get subscribed, follow the podcast, share it with your friends. All of that's much appreciated and it really does help the show. Now, today's absence of logic is really indicative of the lack of maturity in the crypto space today. Despite all the growth that we've had over the years, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I say this in relation to the speculation circus that's surrounding the zombie Luna cryptocurrency family, including Luna Classic and Luna itself, that have risen sluggishly and hopelessly from the ashes of the failed Terra Luna implosion that we had earlier this year towards the end of last year. Since that crash and burn, pun intended, you know, get it, Luna, burn, Dement, UST, too soon? Okay, sorry. Anyway, since that crash and burn of Terra Luna, Luna Classic or LUNC, L-U-N-C, the undead version of Luna has held on to life through a community of people who clearly don't know how to let go of something that is very clearly never coming back. The, the Luna token, this LUNC token that's been the product of much speculation and price action has risen significantly as people try to scrape profit off of hype around a new tax burn rule that's designed to deflate the massively overinflated supply of tokens on the network. Of course, because the word deflationary was uttered, people are flocking to this like moths to a flame. This new rule would impose a 1.2% tax on each transaction on the network, sending that tax to a burn wallet to reduce the supply of LUNC. This rule, however, will not fix anything because it simply uses the community to subsidize its reduction in supply and shoulder the cost of that process. The issue I have here is not only that the rule proposal is one-sided and, in my opinion, unworkable and illogical, but that people seem to have not learned their lesson on this. Terra is gone. Accept that it failed and move on. People plowing money into this speculation around deflation of LUNC are putting themselves in a huge risk position. Deflation of supply is not enough to change fundamental valuations of an asset. You need demand. You need utility. You need lots of things that I just don't see Terra ever having again in a sustainable way. They don't even have developers that are that interested in building there. I can go to a landfill and set fire to a whole mound of trash, reducing the circulating supply of viable unburned garbage but the remaining unburned garbage is still garbage. So me reducing the supply of unburned garbage does not make the remaining piles of unburned garbage more valuable. You catch my drift? It's still trash as an asset. Deflationary token economics are one small characteristic in a much larger evaluation criteria of what makes a token valuable to invest in. And it doesn't always factor positively either. It's a tool that must be used in specific scenarios to work and to be positive. Deflationary alone is not enough. And I know it might sound harsh to be calling out people who are just trying to recover funds from the ashes of Terra, but I say this out of hope that people hear it and get out while they still can. Let Terra go. Don't try and trade your way out of this. Trying to trade the deflationary narrative of LUNC or anything like it is nothing more than a 404 logic not found. And with that, my friends, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow the podcast, whatever you prefer, because I'm going to be posting an extra jam-packed crypto Q&A session here on both YouTube and podcast platforms from here on out after Crypto Over Coffee launches, usually on Saturday, but today it was on Sunday. 
This means that tomorrow, Monday for you, I'll be answering your questions from Crypto Over Coffee and of course, collecting questions for next week's show. So every week from now on, expect a dedicated Q&A video to follow Crypto Over Coffee the day after. This enables me to answer more of your questions every week so I don't make this episode completely ridiculously long. So please leave your questions in the comments or tweet me out at Shoshi4 if you want your question featured on the show. And in the meantime, feel free to check out this video on the risks that you need to be aware of related to the Ethereum merge that's coming up right around the corner. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you and your family have a wonderful week ahead. And until next time, cheers.